guys, as we are launching a new eight-part series called Created in God's Image to Reign. And we're talking about uh, who God created us to be, how we walk that out in life. And uh, this series is extracting heavily from uh, the book of the same title, Created in God's Image to Reign, by our friend Jeff Newburn. How many people here know Jeff? I'm curious, how many people here, Jeff is handling your finances right now? I had a couple. <laughs> yeah, Jeff's a genius uh, with, with finances. So, uh, but he, he wrote this book, and I, I read it because I was, you know, I like to read my friends' books uh, so I could support them. And I was like really blown away. I was like, this is amazing. And, uh, and so if you want to, you can head over to Amazon, grab a copy of it. You can read along with us. And uh, you'll be, I think you'll be glad that you did. I think that you will be really glad that you decided to kind of go through with it. It's a great read. Great, 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 great read. So, uh, I don't know. You know what, you guys? I, I don't know about you, but for me, I kind of like, I can be two people. I could probably be more than two people. I, I could probably be actually a lot more than two. But I can be two people. Um, I'll say that. I think that's... That's an honest statement. Sometimes we are one way, and sometimes we are another way. Uh, there are days when, you know what, when my faith is just like way up here. Like, like I'm ready to charge hell with a water pistol. Look out, you know. And my faith is just, like I feel, I feel like the Incredible Hulk, like a spiritual Hulk, you know, and just, just busting down, you know, just punching demons and watching them fly and, and we're going to change the world and we're going to you know, just all sorts of things you know and just like your, your imagination starts to go and that's good those are good days to have there's no you know there's just those days when there's no dream that's too big for me you know and uh, I, I remember the, the day that Wendy and I sat down and we just kind of said let's make a five-year plan for the church and we sat down with a legal pad and this is before we ever met on a Sunday or ever even met at fireworks on Wednesday nights. Um, this was a long time ago. Uh, I didn't have any, any white hair at the time. Um, I, I had a six-pack in the trunk of my car. And, um, but we sat down to write out a five-year plan for the church. That was a day like that, where it was just like, big faith day. Uh, the day I was in Ireland and discovered that day, the day that I landed, I'd be preaching in a pub. And so uh, I remember the guy I was with, our host, like, you know, drove us to this pub, and there was, like, it was just packed. It was just so full of people. And I'm just standing there preaching the Word of God. That was, like, that was, that was one of those days where it was just like, wow, you know. I had people come up to me with a Guinness in one hand and asking me to pray for them. You know, and it's just you talk about just like a big faith day, you know, where we felt like we were just sort of, you know, invading the enemy's territory and just seeing, you know, lives change. That was a day like that for me. And, uh, you know, my wedding day was actually a lot like that, too. It was just sort of, you know, one of those days where I just felt, you know, just the Holy Spirit, you know, with us and going forward and, and just sort of like, you know, uh, it was either the day of our wedding or maybe it was the day after and just kind of, you know, looking at each other and go, I can't believe that we're married, you know, and, and just feeling so much of, like, God's presence around it because, you know, mine and Wendy's relationship, 
like if there, it's been if it's been marked by anything along the way, like from the very beginning, it's been marked by a certain piece that went, yeah, this is God. You know, I don't know about you, Wendy. I hope you felt that way. But uh, <laughs> she's like, oh, I guess so. Um, <laughs> just kidding. You know, and so there have been days like that. And then there's other days. You know, when then there's other Lee, right? You know, there's that one that's full of faith. He's preaching in pubs and he's, you know, doing all these things. And then there's these other days when it just feels like all of my efforts are producing squat. Where, you know, it seems like I'm, I'm putting forth a ton of effort for less than an ounce of result, you know. Where uh, the dreams that I had for my family or the dreams that I had for the church or for my business or even dreams for my health or my finances, they don't seem to be any further along than they were a year ago. Any further along than they were two years ago, three years ago. And I'm just like, oh, I'm still struggling with that. And I still haven't reached that goal. And when I disappoint myself, I disappoint myself in areas of purity or disappoint myself in priorities or when I spend, you know, Wendy will tell you, because I think she feels a little bit this same way too, when I disappoint myself day after day in a, like a lack of productivity, I haven't gotten anything done in like three days. At least it feels that way. And I feel very much like... <sighs> I'm just spinning my wheels, right? And it seems like that confident, like faith-filled go-getter is gone, and he's been replaced by someone who, like, really doesn't deserve God's love or favor or grace, as if it had to do anything with deserving, right? And we forget that. We so forget that when we, when we don't perform to our own standards and we forget that, you know, it's not about deserving. And, uh, and so then, then there's, so there's that, Lee. And I don't know, maybe, maybe you're like that. Maybe not. Maybe all are perfect. I know some of you are. You're just beautiful, wonderful people and perfect and, in every way. Um, <laughs> <get to> glory. <laughs> you know, one, one day the road is just level and smooth for you. Uh, you know, and, and then other, other days not so much, you know. Maybe you told yourself in January 2020. Y'all remember January 2020? Doesn't that seem like a long time ago? January 2020, and it was like, uh, you know, it was going to be your year. It's going to be the most amazing year. I remember like November 2019 going on my personal retreat and just writing out this incredible list of goals and Man, how it was just like 2020 was going to kick butt. It was a new decade. It was a new year. I, was, I you know, I, I put up a dream board in my office, and I, I pinned up a picture of a guy who was ripped, and I was like, I'm going to be ripped at 50. And uh, thank you, honey. You are, yeah, yeah, I don't know. I think you need to put your glasses on. And, uh, you know, there were all these different things, these dreams, these ideas, and, and man, 2020 was going to be so amazing, right? And then December of 2020 came, and you had actually gained weight instead of lost it, right? You actually gained weight. You actually had to kind of maybe fold up and put away some of your smaller genes to make room for your larger genes, and uh, maybe... At the end of 2020, you were further in debt instead of being less in debt uh, and no savings because you told yourself you were going to have a bunch of savings by the end of 2020, right? 
you fall short of your, your, your goals, and you wonder if maybe you were just sort of like deceiving yourself. Maybe I was kidding myself. Maybe I got too ambitious. Maybe I had some sort of spasm of inspiration, and that's why I felt that I would be able to do all those things in 2020, and then the end of the year came, and you're like, eh. But, you know, then, then you might have, you're like, yeah, but pandemic, right? I'm just curious. We'll just have a moment of honesty here. Has anyone ever used the pandemic as an excuse for anything not related to the pandemic? Yeah. A few honest people. Okay. You know, the rest of you, the devil's a liar. (laughs) And um, that's all I got to say. So, (laughs) all right, let me rephrase it. How many of you have not attended an event that you were invited to that you didn't want to go to and you used the pandemic as a reason not to? Okay, a couple of other honest people. The rest of you, liars will find their place in hell. And uh, <laughs> I'm just kidding, maybe. And, um, but I've found that it's really hard. It can be really hard to live as a conqueror, right? It can be really hard to live as that conqueror, as that faithful person, when you, when you forget who you are. And I think that, that like, One of the enemy's greatest tactics is simply to get us to forget who you are. Like, could you guys imagine if Superman forgot who he was? And he has all these abilities and all these powers, and he can fly, and he's super strong, and all these things, but he had forgotten who he is, right? And I think that as believers, we forget who we are. We forget who we are in Christ. We forget that we're more than conquerors. We forget why we're on this planet, and we forget how to move forward, right? And so I want to just talk about what God's Word has to say about who you are, and, uh, and, and just to sort of address some of these things. But first, real quick, let's pray. God, we praise you. God, we love you. God, we thank you, Lord, that you just so undeservedly love us and make us conquerors, God. And we pray that your word would come alive in us and bring life and growth and all those things. And we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. And God, we pray for everybody who lied about using the pandemic to not do something. We would just bring the truth out in them. Um, So anyway, so we're going to start off. We're going to look at uh, (laughs) Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 through 31. It said, Then God said, Let us make human beings in our image. Now, who is our image? The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, right? That's the, the Trinity. Let's make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them, male and female. Look at that. Both men and women are created in God's image. Just in case any women here forget that. I think sometimes we live in such a kind of a, this, we have this idea in our culture that, you know, it's like, like men were created in the image of God and, and women are just sort of like this, like quasi image of God. You know, that's not the case, y'all. So women high five each other and that gave me some good woke points. And so... God created human beings in his own image, okay? Male and female, he created them. Then 
God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and all the animals that scurried along the ground. And God said, Look, I had given you every seed-bearing plant without the earth or throughout the earth and all the fruit trees for your food. I have given every green plant as food to all the wild animals the birds in the sky and the small animals that scurry along the ground, everything that has life. And that is what happened. Then God looked over all he made and he saw that it was very good, right? All right, so the answer to who you are and why you're here is found in this passage. You are God's awesome creation and you are here to reign. You are God's awesome creation and you are here to reign. Rain. Wow, doesn't that feel uncomfortable? Doesn't that rub against your false sense of humility? Your sort of religious spirit, right? Doesn't that, this, this idea, I think, we have, I think as, as a church, we have just sung Amazing Grace one too many times. That God has saved a wretch like me, right? Doesn't it, because doesn't it feel so much better to beat yourself up spiritually? Doesn't that kind of give you a little bit of a, Sort of a religious feel-good to call yourself a wretch and no good and just a lowly, 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 lowly sinner. You know, but God comes along and he says, you're my awesome creation. I've created you in my image. You're my selfie, right? You're my selfie. And guess what? You're here to reign. And it sounds crazy because not only does the scripture say that we're made to reign, but the New Testament tells us that we're to be like Jesus, who is the King of Kings. Right? So we have, you know, both the Old and the New Testament going, no, rain, rain. Now, this does not mean that we're supposed to wear a robe and a crown, though you could if you want to, I suppose. If you wanted to wear a robe and a crown, we could probably bring one up from the basement. We have some amongst the royal family stuff. I'm sure, you know, it, psh, Melissa would be fine if you wore that around. That's kind of her department down there. Uh, and it doesn't mean that we're to treat people as less than. You know, we have, I think we have a, a, cr a crooked image in our culture of what reigning actually means and looks like. Um, to reign means that we're to conquer spiritually, that we are not to be, you know, spiritual victims, right? But to conquer spiritually, to expand the kingdom of God. So we're, we're not to be a conquered, a spiritually conquered people. There's not why... Jesus died and rose from the dead. That's not why God created us, so that we could be a spiritually conquered people. But we are to conquer spiritually, to expand God's kingdom, to care for God's creation, right? I know we talked a couple weeks ago, uh, just, we just barely hit on it, just kind of mentioned it, how so often we fall into just uh, like self-pity. I think anytime we find ourselves in a sense or a feeling of self-pity, that should be an immediate red flag that we are being conquered spiritually and not conquering spiritually. And so that is not what God wants for us. It's to conquer. So if we're, we're supposed to be kings and, well, queens, I guess, what does that mean? What does that look like? And I think the first thing is, and it's really important, as I just mentioned, is that a king accepts that he is a king. Or she is a king, right? A king accepts that he is a king. And, and again, that goes against decades and decades of spiritual church conditioning. Doesn't it? Wow. I can tell. I can tell. I've learned to read the room. 
And I can tell when I say that, that there is a sense, there's a little bit of a stiffening of the spine. There's a little bit of a spiritual bristling to that idea. But you're a king. You're a queen. That's how God created you. You're created in his image. Okay? And we need to accept that. A king doesn't sit on the throne all day wondering if he has any authority. Right? Could you imagine that? If a king just sat on the throne all day. I wonder. What would happen if I told my servant to deliver a message for me? Would he do it? A king doesn't question his own authority. And you have been given authority in Christ. And we're not to question that, but to accept that. You know, and so uh, a king doesn't wonder if he has authority. He doesn't take his crown off and wonder if he's really king. All right? So we have to stop finding our identity in how we feel about ourselves in the moment. Right? Isn't it true that so often, you know, most of us will base our identity on our emotions? Most of us will base our identity on how we feel in the moment. And, uh, boy, that, that's, that's so crazy because that means that one moment we could be a victor and another moment we could be a victim, all based on how we feel. But that is not how God created us, all right? And that, that's, you know, that, that puts sort of like a, 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 I don't know, what's the word? It kind of puts a bruise on the completed work of the cross of what Jesus has done for us. You know, and so, um, okay, so we have to stop finding our identity of how we feel about ourselves in the moment. We have to accept the blessing of our royalty in Christ. So tell the person next to you, hey, you're a king. High five. You're a king. High five. High five. High five. Okay? So we're going to get into this a little bit. I don't want you to get, I don't want you to sort of, I want you to stay with me. I want you to stay with me. All right? Accept your identity in Jesus. Grab a hold of it. Refuse to let go of your identity in Jesus. All right? So the next thing is this, is what a king does is a king expands the kingdom. And then what, is, what a king does? A king expands the kingdom. We see even about King David, you know, when he, uh, when he had his, uh, when he sinned, you know, with Bathsheba. And the scripture tells us that he was supposed to be out, for, out at war. Right? He was supposed to be expanding the kingdom. He was supposed to, did the kings go out to war? And he did not. And then that, when, he, when he stopped expanding his kingdom, when he, when he wasn't going out to war, that was when temptation fell into his life. Right, And so a king expands his kingdom. And so we have an enemy who is constantly fighting for ground. Right? And this is why we're here in this neighborhood, is because we believe that God has has brought us here to expand his kingdom in this neighborhood because oh, there's lots of problems with drugs, there's lots of problems with domestic abuse here. We, we have a 911 worker here, so we know what, ha- we know what happens in our neighborhood, you know? So, uh, and so we're here to expand God's kingdom here, to push back against the forces of darkness. The king expands the kingdom. And so we have an enemy that's constantly trying to gain ground. He destroys homes, he enslaves people in addiction, he, you know, uh, he, who, who loves violence, who loves division. And we have an enemy that hates you and me. Why does the enemy hate you and me so badly? Well, some theologians believe that he hates you and me so badly because we look like God, right? Because we were created in his image. We were created in God's image, so he hates the image of God. And so he hates you and me. And when we pray for our city, when we reach out to the abused, and when we reach out to the abandoned, when we give to help grow the church and other organizations doing the gospel, we take back 
the ground for the Lord. We take that ground for the Lord. When we pray, when we get on our knees and we, we pray for God to move in our city, when we pray for our, our, our government, when we pray for our leaders, when we pray for our city, we take back ground. We take back ground. And we take back ground in our own lives. So, uh, when, you know, where have you seen the enemy taking ground around you? Where have you seen the enemy taking ground? I don't think you have to look very far to, you know, see where you see, you know, the enemy is taking ground, uh, just turn on the TV, right? Just, just open up Facebook. How can you take it back? How can you take it back? How can you take back that ground? Because kings go to war, right? Yeah. All right. And the last thing is this. And, and I love this. And I love this about how God made us. A king seeks to discover what's on God's heart and works to make it happen. A king seeks to see what's on God's heart and then works to make it happen. When we started our camp, it was because we really felt like foster children were important to God. Well, it was just like, that's on God's heart, right? These hurting kids, that's, that's on God's heart. And it would be God's heart to, to start this camp and to reach out to, to abused and neglected foster children. And, and when we started the church, it was, God, what's on your heart? And how can we make what's on your heart happen? And you know, I think if we just look around, if we just pray, we'll see what's on God's heart. We will discover what's on God's heart, and we can make it happen, right? So a king seeks to discover what's on God's heart and works to make it happen. Proverbs 25.2 says, it's, It is God's privilege to conceal things and the king's privilege to discover them, right? So if you're a king, it's your privilege to discover what is on God's heart. Don't you guys want to know what's on God's heart? Yeah, I do. I want to know, I want to know him better. I want to seek him more. I want to know his face. I want to know his heart. I want to know all these things so that I can go, oh God, that's what's on your heart. I want to serve you well, and I want to go make that happen. And that's what we do in our community, right? And so we serve God. We serve a God who does all sorts of things. We serve a God who does big things, and we serve a God who does small things, right? I know a lot of times we get focused on the big things, don't we? Because the big things make good stories, right? But small things, too. Remember last week, Wendy was talking about a woman who felt compelled by the Holy Spirit to bring another woman a box of Twinkies, right? And just what an incredible blessing and how that ministered to that woman because that was something that her dad, her father did to her, uh, did for her often, and uh, she was mourning her father's death, and she just felt like it was a real touch, it was a real word from God. And so, you know, big things and small things. God, God loves all of those things, big things and small things. Uh, he, God breathes the world into existence, big things, right? He parts the Red Sea to save his people, big things. He uses fishermen to establish his church, right? He uses the church to establish hospitals, yeah? Did you guys, did you guys know that? We wouldn't have hospitals if it weren't for the church, right? We wouldn't have schools if it weren't for the orphanages, weren't for the church. Everybody's like down on the church, but hey, you know, if you were born in a hospital, you can thank the church. If you have an education, you can thank the church, you know? And so uh, he uses these things. He brings education, brings hope. You know, churches are out there bringing clean water to places that don't have it, you know? But the church is also there to come and put their arm around you and say a prayer for you, 
Small things, too. Those have been some of the most significant moments of my life. I tell you, one of the biggest blessings I ever had was I was going through a tragedy, and somebody sat down next to me and put their arm around me and went, you know, that really sucks. That really sucks. He didn't try to give me some platitude. He didn't tell me, oh, you know, God needed another angel. Nothing. He just sat down next to me and said, that really sucks. And what a blessing that was to me. That was a small thing. He heard what was, he saw what was on God's heart, was to comfort somebody, and he sat down and he did. And so big things, small things, we discover what's on God's heart and we do them. Okay? God is, is always moving. And, you know, I think that as kings and queens, we should be trying to discover what's on God's heart. God, what's something I can do for you? What's something I can do for you? How can I pray for somebody? How can I move? I don't know why, but sometimes the hardest thing in the world is to just walk across the room. You know what I'm saying? You ever been here in church, and it's like, it's like somebody over there, you know, somebody in this room could use a prayer. Somebody in this room could use a word of encouragement. Somebody in this room could use a little hug. But I got to get out of here. Right? Well, sometimes God's wanting to move. God's wanting to use you. You're a king. Don't just beat cheeks. You know, find out what God wants to do and use you here and in your neighborhood and all around. And so what we're doing is we're just bringing into existence what is on God's heart. That's what a king does. That's what a queen does, right? We are God's awesome creation, and we're here to reign, and that's how we reign. We reign spiritually. We reign by doing what is on God's heart and so over the next few weeks, we're going to like dig deeper into this. And I'm really excited about it. And I think Wendy's going to be speaking a couple of times during this service. Good. The attractive one. And uh, as we close today, I want to do something. And uh, I want to pra- put into practice this sort of discovering what's on God's heart. And uh, so all I want to do before the worship team comes, this is going to be maybe some, a little bit awkward for some. It's a little bit different for some. Um, But all I want to do is I just want to spend like a minute or two to just close our eyes, to not look around, to just ask God, what's on your heart and how can I expand your kingdom? And that's what we're going to do. So it's going to get weird quiet in here. And we get silent. And we're just going to close our eyes, say, God, what is on your heart? Okay, so let's do that now. God, what is on your heart? That's, that's just our prayer. Just, I just want you to pray that, God, what is on your heart? And I just want you to be quiet and to listen. Listen.